Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Oderico, and joining me is LBJ professional Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts. We're broadcasting live every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the blogtalkradio.com network, bringing you some of the best golfers, teacher professionals, and entrepreneurs helping to elevate women's golf. We're so glad you decided to join us this morning, so grab your coffee, and let's get started. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf Show. We've got a great show for you uh, coming up here. Of course, I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside is LPJ professional and Legends Tour player Cindy Miller. And, uh, Cindy, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. <laughs> how are you doing? How, yeah, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing fantastic for a Tuesday morning. Uh, very, very excited. We've got... Uh, a uh, young lady who's uh, on the road traveling to Atlanta, getting ready to play for the Iowa uh, Invitational this week. And uh, she's actually the winner of the uh, 2019 uh, Murphy USA Eldorado Shootout. And of course, I'm talking about uh, Sydney Clanton. And uh, she's going to be joining us here in just a quick second. And then a little bit later on in the show, we're going to be joined by Alyssa uh, Godet, who is the president of the Executive Golf International and founder of Women's Golf Day. She'll be joining us on the second half of the show. Uh, but in the meantime, let me just, uh, before we bring uh, Sydney on, I want to just mention something uh, in, uh, I think, pretty exciting in, in golf news. Yesterday, of course, in Washington, D.C., uh, Tiger Woods uh, received the Presidential uh, Medal of Freedom uh, from the president, of course. He's only the fourth player, Cindy, uh, who has ever, uh, first, sorry, first golfer who has ever received uh, that very prestigious honor. Uh, in great company with Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicholas, and of course the late uh, Charlie Sifford. Uh, so Tiger uh, Woods, of course, makes number four to have received that, and he was in Rose Garden, of course, with President Trump and uh, and others uh, receiving that medal. Uh, very, very uh, uh, honorable, of course, and uh, you could tell he. I don't know if he got a chance to see any of the uh, the playback of it, Sydney, but uh, he was certainly very appreciative and, and very uh, humble. Uh, and receiving that I uh, did not get uh, to honor. see it. I yeah, I watched not. a little bit of it this morning. Yeah, I watched uh, a bit of it yesterday. And I missed part of it, and then uh, I was able to catch uh, the rest of it this morning. But uh, he was uh, certainly a little choked up and obviously uh, uh, very appreciative. And something I didn't know, I knew that he uh, was, was friends with uh, uh, Charlie Stifford, but uh, he actually he mentioned this in his, his uh acceptance speech that uh, he actually considered Charlie Sifford uh, like a grandfather to him. Uh, he was very, very close with him and uh, really learned a lot from uh, some of the struggles that he went through. But um, uh, great honor and congratulations, Tiger Wood. Uh, honor well-deserved the uh, Presidential Medal of Freedom. Okay, as I mentioned, we've got cool. a great guest to start us off. Yeah, very, very cool. Uh, Sydney Clanton is joining us and... Uh, so let's uh, welcome her, Cindy. Good morning. Good morning. The Road Warrior. Well, that's that's right. <laughs> don't you love it though? You know, I don't mind the travel. Everybody says asks if it's the hardest part, and for me, it's really not. I mean, 
you do have to be patient when you travel because you never know what's going to happen. But uh, but it's just one of those things when anybody that uh, travels for work, whether that you're a professional athlete or you're a salesman or or whatever it is, you know that there's ups and downs with travel. But you know, it really is. I just it's just a part of the job, and it's not it's not something that bothers me. I actually don't mind driving at all. Um, so I actually actually enjoy the the time that you get to sit and uh, reflect and listen to music and just enjoy your time by yourself. I totally agree. We Alan and I both played on tour and we drove a lot. And needless to say, when we got married, we had kids. We drove with the kids and um, we had to go to Boston for a memorial service this past weekend. And we got there and everybody goes, oh, when did you fly in? And I said, well, we drove. Well, how far was it? Oh, eight hours. And they go, what? I go, no offense, but once you're a gypsy, you're always a gypsy, and it's kind of like yep. I couldn't get wait to get in the car just to chill and hang. And of course, he drove so I could do stuff on the computer. It's just it's a blessing to be honest with you. Yeah, no, it's easy. I mean, I definitely like the car a little bit better than the plane just because you can add a couple more things and um, it it makes it makes life a little easier, but. Uh, but it's amazing. I mean, the fact that we can fly across country and be somewhere in a couple hours, and um, it's just a really cool, really cool thing to do. I agree. Ted? Very good. Well, yeah, well, Cindy, let me just, uh, I just want to read out a couple of things. Uh, didn't get a chance to do that yet, and uh, and then we'll we'll get into our discussion. Um, as I mentioned, of course, our very special guest is Cindy Clanton. She's the winner of the 2019 Murphy USA Eldorado Shootout. Uh, she's 29 and a native of Concord, North Carolina, and she's four-time uh, All-SEC first-team uh, performer for Auburn War Eagle. Uh, named the Eagle. 2008 Women's uh, Golf, yeah, <laughs> Women's uh, Golf Coaches Association and SEC Freshman of the Year. Uh, she's also a two-time medalist for the Tigers uh, at the 2009 Hooters uh, Collegiate Match Play Championship and NCAA uh, Fall Preview. Uh, she, uh, since her rookie year on the LPGA Tour, uh, she's been on the LPGA. Uh, of course, she qualified in the final stage uh, for Category 11 status in 2011 and uh, made, the, of course, the priority list and played on the 2012 LPGA Tour season. Uh, since her rookie year in the LPGA in 2012 and entering 2019, uh, she's had a total of 114 starts with four top 10 results and career best showing of tied for seventh in the 2014 Yokohama Tire LPJ Classic. Uh, again, total of 33 starts on the Smith Tour entering 2019 with 29 cuts made and 11 top tens, and of course a win uh, here just a couple of weeks ago. So obviously uh, playing a lot of golf, and I want to talk about very quickly uh, about the, uh, the Murphy USA. You actually were in a three-hole uh, playoff against uh, uh, Julieta Granada. Tell us a little bit about that. <clears throat> You know, uh, it was interesting. You know, I had a, a slow start in that final round and kind of battled back. And Julieta, she played really well. I mean, she shot three under that final day to uh, to force the playoff. And uh, it was, I mean, it was a, it was pretty much a sudden death. It was we were going to play the 18th hole until there was a winner. Um, and we both played the hole very different. We both had very different games. Um, and it was actually quite interesting. I thought on the first playoff hole, um, I thought that I was going to win on the first hole, um, but Huli made like a 12-footer um, to extend it to an extra to another hole. 
Um, so it was one of those things where I kind of had to sit back and be like, okay, you know, you needed to not get ahead of yourself and uh, take each opportunity as it comes. But um, but it was just, I mean, it was a really cool experience. Um, I have won once before back in 2013, and that was a seven-hole playoff. Um, so I was glad to get it done in less than seven holes this time. Wow. Yeah, they've had a, they've had a lot of I think almost every event this year. This is going into I think <clears throat> event number seven for the season uh, this week coming up. But uh, I think just about every tournament this year on the Symmetra has ended in a playoff. Uh, so obviously it's been very exciting for the tour and uh, also a little bit of a nail biter for some of the uh, the players, of course, having to to play those extra holes. But uh, obviously you got it done. And, and again, uh, congratulations from both of us. Um, just very quickly, I want to, because I mentioned, obviously, that you went to Auburn University. Um, what did you study at uh, Auburn? I actually studied business, business finance. Um, you know, I tell people all the time, I was not very good at writing papers, and I knew that no one wanted to read a finance paper. So um, I stuck with numbers um, and was in the business school at Auburn. Very cool. Um, what do you what do you foresee long-term? Obviously, uh a lengthy career uh, on the LPGA, but uh, business-wise, uh, what what particular interest do you have? Obviously, finance is one, but uh, what what do you see yourself doing uh, some years down the road uh, when all said and done? You know, I'm not a, I'm not really sure. Um, I would love to grow the game. There's a couple of aspects in the game that I think that can definitely be improved upon. Um, I think there needs to be some changes in, in college golf and with the development of players. And um, and I think there's just some things that could be changed. And so I would love to, to help with that and, and figure out how we can give young players better opportunities to develop their games earlier. Because um, as we all know, women's careers tend to be shorter because of family and settling down. It's a lot harder to travel with children once you decide to right. have children. Um, and so girls are starting very young. Um, I mean, the average age on tour right now is 23, 24, um, and that's young. I mean, you're talking about, you know, a lot of the guys, the PGA players, they're playing their best golf between the ages of 29 and 32, and that's when a lot of females are deciding to retire, to look elsewhere, to start a family. And so women are having to develop their games a lot earlier, but we just, I think we need more opportunities for the women to develop their games at younger ages so that they have more opportunities to play better golf at earlier ages when they decide to turn professional. Um, so Sounds there's, great. Uh, uh, definitely, there's definitely some passion in that kind of side of things, um, but I'm not sure. I'm not really sure. I try to, I try to stay focused on what I'm doing right now, and that's the biggest thing for this year is everybody keeps kind of pushing my year. They keep getting to the future, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, this is a this is a big year. I said, I turned 30 this year. Y'all are passing over my 30th birthday. I mean, we're, we're skipping way ahead. I want to stay right here right now. Today's Tuesday. What am I doing today? What do I need to accomplish today? Let's not get ahead of ourselves, and let's stay focused in, in what's going on right now. I couldn't agree more. I think you, I think you need to stay in the now. Uh, certainly, be conscious of the future, but uh, I think you have to stay in the in the moment. I agree with that 100%. Cindy. So, tell me what your ideas are for helping juniors become better players at a younger age. Which, because I agree with you, and I just like yep. to know what your thoughts are. 
Um, I think we can do a little bit more development in college. Um, you know, it was interesting. I played at Auburn, and we had a couple of international players from Spain, and I honestly had no idea how other countries worked and and how they developed. But a lot of other countries have national teams, and these national teams have coaches and have availability to grow their players from a very young age. I mean, they, they help their players financially. They help their players with equipment. They help their players on and off the golf course. And we just don't have that here in the U.S. But what we do have is we have college. I do think that to be able to develop or to have a program to develop, you'd have the NCAA would have to come off some of their rules because the NCAA restricts what can and can't be done in college as far as who can coach you, how many coaches you can have. Um, but I think there's something that we can do in college to help these players develop more. Um, just because I've mentored a couple of players, and a lot of players that I see, they're very green players. Um, they don't know a whole lot about playing, depending on how well off their family is, depends on, you know, what kind of instruction they could get before college. Um, just with experience of listening to all the other players, um, there wasn't much development when we when we talk about college because a lot of the college coaches are either coaches that played played in played in school or played professionally, but they don't have any extra higher development as far as there is no class A. They're not getting their teaching. They don't have necessarily they're not focused focused on any specialized part of the game. Do they help you with your game? A hundred percent. I mean, the one thing that I learned most in college was course management and how to look at courses differently. Um, and that also came with playing practice rounds for, with four other players that played the game different than I did. You know, I was always trying to make the golf course as short as possible. How far can I cut off the, the angle of the hall to get as far down there as possible rather than playing to the point, playing the point to the dog leg? I was like, oh, you can hit three wood over that bunker and then have like a straight shot in. I'm always trying to go over the trees. So there was, there was definitely things that I learned in college, but any other sport, when you're being recruited, a football player or a baseball player, a pitcher isn't going to go to a school that doesn't have a decent pitching coach where they can't develop their pitching. Or a football player, a running back, isn't going to tend to go to a school that doesn't have, that doesn't run plays for running backs. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So there happens and, to and be. And so it's just, um, it's just one of those. Go ahead. Yeah, there's the LPGA, the USGA, the PGA, um, even the U.S. Olympic Committee is coming up with a plan for long-term development because I absolutely agree with everything you're saying. Our son went to school at Augusta State, and 90% of the team was from a, a different country, and, again, they were all on their national teams. And they started mm -hmm. – uh, they were invited to be on the national team when they were, like, 13. So not only did they get nutrition, they got mental health, they got everything they needed, so they were so mm -hmm. much better when they went to school. Whereas here, mm -hmm. you're absolutely right. If you don't have enough money to send somebody to the Northeast Amateur and the Porter Cup and the Monroe, you're screwed. And mm -hmm. then they don't get the experience. But um, the USGA and the NCAA is going to have to change the rules on that. And that's why, you know, so many teams have so many foreign players because they're just better than the U.S. players. Yeah, you know, it really has become competitive. And, you know, I don't mind the competitiveness at all. I just think that we have four years 
to really develop and help these players be whatever kind of player that they want to be. And it's okay if these players don't want to go be professional, but you have four years to develop and you have a player that comes in that, you know, is an 80 shooter. They can turn into a really good three or four because if you played in college, you know that, that everybody has a one and two player. Everybody's team has a one and two player. College is all about the three, four, five, and six players. And, you know, you're recruiting all different aspects of players and development in their game, but you have to be able to develop their game to make them better so they have opportunities. Someone that didn't think they would ever have an opportunity to turn professional could have three years of development and be like, hey, I really might be able to do this. I need to put a little extra elbow grease into it, but I now have the information that I need to be able to grow, and they can choose to do what it what they want with it. They can choose to, you know, take it as far as they want with it. They, we just have to give them and provide them with the knowledge that they need and uh, the platform that they need to be able to grow. Absolutely agree. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny because we've got a student who um, was a walk-on for Suzanne Strudwick. Suzanne played on the LPGA Tour for a long time. And the, after the girl got to school last fall, I saw Suzanne at a Legends Tour event, and she said, you know what, I got a redshirter, and she's just not going to play this year. And the girl was so upset, and I said, all right, here's the deal. You can either get mad and start planning, you know, the way out, or you can face the facts and work your butt off and prove mm-hmm. to her that not only are you a good student, you're a good kid, you're not going to get in trouble, and you can improve, and she's getting a scholarship next year. So it's like That's just awesome. face the facts and develop. And if you do that, there's no telling how good you could be. Well, you know, it's so funny now. Now anybody that's younger than me and that's still in college, I'm always like, get as many degrees as you can. Stay in your college bubble as long as you can because it's safe. I said, the real world, it hits you. It hits you pretty hard. I said, I'm always telling kids, stay in school as long as you can and enjoy it. Um, Because I enjoyed my four years, but, whew. Sometimes I look back and I'm like, man, I wish I could go back sometimes. Right? I, I totally yeah. agree. We've got a, another young girl that just graduated from Winthrop, and she's thinking about trying to play. And um, she's just going to stay in amateur for a year and just, you know, work on her game and try to get better. It's like, you know what, just go do that. Because when you decide you're going to work, again, our son went to Q school and missed by two and, then got in a boating accident. Now he's a financial advisor at UB, US, UBS. Um, and he's a really oh, wow. good player and stuff. But the point is, once you go from, oh, I'm just traveling the tour and trying to play, and I'm not saying that's not hard because that's really hard because, you know, my husband and I both did it. But, like you said, the real world slaps you in the face pretty hard. So take a chill pill and have some fun and enjoy it. That's right. Sorry, Ted, you can talk now. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I've, I'm actually sitting back and I'm enjoying uh, the conversation that both you ladies uh, having. I, I agree 100 uh, percent with both of what you said and 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 Sydney particularly because I, I agree. I think that you know we I think players obviously uh, have to do their own thing to be competitive, but I think the tools um, that they're provided with up front uh, have to be somewhat on a fair playing field and you're exactly right Sydney you know there are a lot of countries out there now uh, and it's very surprising that the U.S. hasn't really stepped up already and taken advantage of that there's a lot of great countries out there uh, Spain as you mentioned and and some others 
um, that actually have national programs, uh, and you know they're uh, you know getting a, a very high quality player at a very early age. And, uh, you know, for some reason, I don't know why the, the U.S. for so many years, uh, especially being a leader in golf, has sort of sat on the fence on that. So, um, you know, I wonder, you know, City, listening to you talk, I wonder if maybe, uh, you know, once you feel that your playing career, you've been satisfied with what you've done, if there's maybe an opportunity to get involved in golf's governing body, uh, much like what Susie Whaley is doing now as president of PGA of America, um, you know, that might be something in your future as well because you're obviously very passionate uh, about, uh, about the game, not just playing the game, but continuing the growth of the game. Is that something that you might consider for down the road? And I know it's thinking ahead of, the, of today, but is that something you might consider uh, getting involved in the yeah. governing body? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure exactly. I, I, you know, I haven't put a whole lot of thought into it, um, but there has been things that, you know, I've tried to help with my – with my mental game and, you know, playing, what, what are you playing for kind of thing? You know, wh- how can you use, you know, the, the ups and downs in golf now to help you for down the future? Um, so there's just been, I've had questions asked to me, um, and that's the only reason why I could have answered the question that you asked originally, you know, what's in the future. Um, that's the only reason why I really could answer that is because some of the questions that were asked to me to kind of help with now and motivation of now, as in, Let's get, you know, let's be on every platform and experience every platform so that you can then use it to help in your future with whatever it is. Um, so I'm not sure. Um, I know that uh, there's a couple of things that I'm passionate about with, uh, with growing the game. Um, I was nominated for the LPGA board. I was supposed to be on the board for the next two years, um, but I had to ended up stepping down just because of the status. I'm not going to be out there full time this year and didn't think that it was um, the right thing to do to try to stay on a board that I'm supposed to be speaking for the players and not really being out there hearing what the players are saying. Um, So I was kind of bummed that I needed to do that. Um, I'm sure that the LPGA board is going to be one thing that um, I hope to do in the future and and be a part of Um, because even just helping with LPGA and the growth, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, the LPGA uh, introduced the LPGA founder video. And I, to be honest with you, I was uh, very ignorant, had no idea how the LPGA had started and all that the women had did um, to get us to where we are. Um, and, you know, great Marilyn Smith, who just passed away, I read her novel um, about all that they sacrificed and did. And that's been eye-opening for me, that video and the uh, and Marilyn Smith's book and all that they did. And um, I think we need to have a little bit more passion in the LPGA so that we can so that we can grow it and make it bigger. Because what those ladies did, um, it's going to be kind of still what we have to do. I mean, there's a there's a part of the women's game that the men don't understand. Um, but you know, we have to have passion in it. We have to have passion in the in the organization. We have to grow and make sure the organization is healthy. Um, and that's one thing that I've been a little bit passionate about is making sure that LPJ stays healthy. Um, and so, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure what what's to hold well, or what's in my future. So. Well, well said. And 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 actually, just playing on that, you you actually read my mind because that was something I wanted to ask you. Um, and you you actually beautifully led into it. Um, you know, we've talked to a number of young ladies off of the Symmetra Tour, uh, some a little bit younger than you, that, um, 
you know, as you said, a little more green. Uh, they haven't been out there quite as long. And when you mentioned mm-hmm. the name of somebody like Marilyn Smith, uh, you know, or mm-hmm. Shirley Spork or, or some of the other great ladies uh, that founded the LBJ, they have no clue as to who they are. Um, mm-hmm. So would you like to see more of that being taught uh, or um, more of the, the up-and-comers, if you will, being exposed to that information? Because there is a lot of intrinsical value in understanding the past of the game and how it got started uh, to understand how and where you want to take it in the future of the game. Is that something that you think, uh, and I think you pretty much answered this, but that you would really like to see happen more, that that's being taught more uh, and and making it part of uh, the LPGA's formula, if you will, in growing the game is understanding where the game started. You know, unfortunately, I'm not sure if I um, believe that it's the LPGA's job. Um, I do think that they have given us a platform. I mean, we have the videos and we have we have a lot of things to our access or to our in our hands that we can get. But it's one of those things where you know, as players and as people and as young women, we we should want to learn how it got started. We should want to learn how we can help because. You know, as much as, you know, it is about competitive, and trust me, I'm the most competitive person you'll probably ever meet, um, I've kind of sat back and looked at, you know, how far the LPGA has come. I mean, even the Symmetra, I played right out of college. I graduated in May 2011 and played in a couple of events before leading up to Q School. It's, it's come so far. But part of the reason right. why it comes is we we have to do things, you know. Um, you know, Mike Wan, awesome man, and he's 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 really grown the LPGA. I mean, what he's done is is phenomenal. But what he's done is he's what he's made important. I mean, we write thank you notes all the time. I mean, he talks about how often he gets emails or phone calls from sponsors of just how appreciative they are of getting 144 thank you notes. So there's things that right. that come on that that we have to do as far as the pro am parties and the pro am experiences and the thank you cards. There's things that we have to do, and if players understood the importance of them and they did them more out of rather than it being more out of joy and out of gratitude for okay, we're doing this because eventually we're going to be better. I think it would go a long ways rather than it being like, oh, we have to do this. Um, and I think the knowledge right. of where it came from and what all the ladies did, I mean, the fact that a lot of the ladies were putting the money that they earned back into the tour, like they were taking their money and putting it back into the tour and the sacrifices that they made and all that they did as far as calling golf courses and getting um, – getting pro-ams established and, and, and just, I mean, I mean, Marilyn Spence, what she did, I mean, she made a brand for herself, you know, she was known for her attire and, and she talked to everybody and they advertised all that they did to make people interested. Um, We still kind of have to do that now. And, you know, they had a passion. That's what, this is what they wanted to do. And we can't take that for granted. I mean, they had to sacrifice so much. They were competitive and had to still compete, but they had to do all these other things on top of it. And it's still kind of one of those things that we have to do now. Um, and we might always have to do. I mean, it's, it, I mean, it's unfortunate, you know, the PGA has a, such a well-established name and, you know, the PGA kind of speaks for itself. You know, we're still really trying to – I mean, we're the, we're the most watched 
women's professional sport um, other than tennis. I'm not sure how much tennis is up there, but, I mean, we're the most televised professional sport on TV, but we're still so far behind when you compare it to the men. Um, so it's just one of those things that I think if more women and more girls had knowledge of all the things that has been put into the tour, um, I think they would have more gratitude and more appreciation and more willingness to do things that they might think is a burden now, but really isn't. It's all that all that we're doing now is only going to help grow and make the tour better. Right. You're, you're exactly right. And, you know, what's interesting is, you know, these young women that are getting into golf, they're the fastest growing segment of new golfers. That sort of that 13 to uh, early 30s, I guess, is the biggest segment. I think it's over a third of all new golfers coming into the sport. So obviously with the help of people like Michael Wan and, and many others and, and the founders and that in women's golf uh, have helped to, to spur that on, and I hope it continues to, to keep growing. Um, Sydney, any final thoughts or closing uh, comments before we uh, we let uh, uh, Sydney go? I just absolutely love your passion, and you can tell that you're committed, dedicated, and serious about not only getting becoming the best player you can be, but also to help grow the game of golf and women's golf. So thank you for your contribution. We appreciate you, and if you ever have any questions or concerns about what you do later, let me know, because I would love to have a discussion. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, and uh, thanks for the time. You're we appreciate welcome. it, Sydney. Congratulations. Make a bunch of yeah, con- yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> Congratulations again <laughs> and be safe on the be safe on the road. Thank you, Ted. All right, bye bye. All right, that was our uh, special guest the, this morning, Sydney Clanton, uh, winner of the two thousand nineteen Murphy USA El Dorado shootout. Uh definitely very a lot of a lot of passion, Cindy. You're you're exactly right. I think that was a great way to put it. Um, I, I think she's going to do very well, not only just as a player, but I think whatever she does uh, beyond that, uh, I think she's going to be uh, a force to be reckoned with. Um, before we bring out uh, Alyssa, uh, I know that you have something that uh, you want to share with the listeners, so uh, set us up and then we'll, we'll play the clip. Well, you know, I've been asked to do an awful lot of corporate training and business development and Using the game of golf as a business tool is something that very smart people do. And Mm -hmm. I'm a certified behavior, motivation, and and emotional intelligence uh, professional. And I'm doing some events in Buffalo and all over the country, to be honest with you. So I just wanted to play this commercial for those who might be interested in learning how to use the game of golf as a business tool. Well, let's uh, hear a few words from our favorite gal, Cindy Miller. Everyone knows business deals are made on the golf course. Knowing how to act is just as important as how you hit it. As an LPGA professional and corporate trainer, I offer workshops, seminars, and executive retreats to teach you how to do both. From the back nine to the boardroom, improve your team from the inside out, or Golf 101 for executives might be the perfect fit for your team. Maybe it's time to make some deals on the course. For more information, go to cindymillerinc.com. Very good. And I can't think of anyone better than to reach out to than our very own Cindy Miller. 
All right, Cindy, uh, we've got another special guest coming up, uh, Lisa Gaudet, who is the president in, uh, of Executive Golf International and the founder of Women's Golf Day. Uh, she has over 16 years of experience servicing uh, clients and, with marketing, branding, sales, as well as strategic planning and execution, uh, specialized in the golf industry, and her experience includes working and living in the U.S., Europe, Latin America, and other numerous emerging golf markets. Uh, some of the organizations, just a few that she's worked with, include the PGA Tour and, of course, the government of the Dominican Republic. Uh, she's also the author of two Good Rounds book series, including Two Good Rounds, 19 uh, whole stories from the world's greatest golfers. Uh, also uh, in that series is Two Good Rounds, superstars and golf stories from the world's greatest athletes. And rounding it out with the third book is Two Good Rounds, Titans, leaders in industry and golf. Cindy, uh, let's welcome our very special guest, Alyssa Gaudet. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? We're doing great. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. We're, yes, we're thank you. Thank you very, very much. <laughs> yeah, you've got <laughs> yeah. something special coming yeah. up. Why don't you tell us about it? We do. Lack of sleep time. <laughs> We yeah. are less than uh, 30 days away from Women's Golf Day. So June 4th, 2019 will be our fourth year doing this. So um, it's an exciting time. And, you know, we start to see a lot of movement. We work all year for this, but, you know, because of the one-year event, you know, a lot of the, since January we start signing up courses and getting them involved and, this becomes a little bit more fun because this is the part where we reach out to the consumers, you know, towards the end of April and all through May and let them know uh, what's going on and what this is about and, and to get involved for those who don't know. And, um, you know, it's, it's a really fun project I guess for your, for your listeners. I don't know, you know, how many people know, but women's golf days, a start out as a one day, four hour experience for women and girls um, locations around the world, sign up and just host the event and the, our suggested format is that, and we, you know, strongly ask them to do this four hours, keep it simple. <clears throat> the first two hours offer women the opportunity to take lessons. So maybe that's 45 minutes on the driving range and 45 minutes chipping and putting, switching out groups or something. And women that already played, you know, let them go play nine holes. It doesn't necessarily have to be a competition. It could be a scramble, what have you. And then have a hard stop and have two hours of socializing. And, you know, we tested this format in the beginning. And what we found was, you know, the opportunity for people who have never played to mingle with people that play. And any of us that have ever tried anything new, you know, that's rarely the case. Because if you go to sign up and take tennis lessons, you're with people who never played tennis before. So um, it's helped a lot. And, we, you know, that's. The, the formula seems to have worked, and uh, we try to keep it as a fun, feel-good, celebratory day. And how do people sign up? Uh, people go to the website. and Which uh, is what? Uh, women, womensgolfday.com, W-O-M-E-N-S-G-O-L-F-D-A-Y.com. And there's a button right on the homepage, and it says um, sign up to play. Um, register to play, and it also says register a location. So locations that are looking to still host an event, they can still do it, go through the uh, system and register their location. And then people that are looking for places, it says, and there's a, you know, kind of like a geolocator, they can punch in their 
uh, city and state, uh, you know, or, or look by, you know, there's a lot of different ways. The search engine in there so they can find what's closest to them. They can also go, you know, we have Top Golf that we've partnered with, Club Corp, um, Troon, PJ Tour Superstore. So even if you just want to go to a PJ Tour Superstore, you're intimidated, you want to just try see what it's like. I mean, I've been to those twice in the past four years, the PJ Tour Superstores. I mean, it's great. It's a great opportunity to just kind of get your feet wet or or see what it's like or meet new people. You know, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of ways or a top golf or any, you know, or go to a golf course that's close by. Awesome. Yeah. So it's, it, it's um, hopefully, Hopefully there's no excuse that we're giving, you know, when we've partnered with enough people by now and industry as well that will help with the messaging. Golf Channel has been phenomenal. The Golf Now courses are are involved this year. So, and of course, people like yourselves, we greatly appreciate spreading the word. And, you know, this is meant just to get uh, new and existing golfers out there. And I think, you know, we've, we've looked around. I think we're the only – sport male or female that has a designated day so this thing you know kind of came out about as a passion project four years ago and it's just you know kind of went crazy <laughs> we're, I mean, this year i think we're up to 712 locations uh, in total wow. we have had over 900 locations in 52 countries and on the day of june 4th it starts in australia that's the first country that hosts an event and if you look at our world map the thing that's really cool is for 24 hours straight, there's a women's golf day event happening somewhere around the world. Wow, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. So let and, me and ask you this: if, in Hawaii. If you, awesome. If you were a club or an LPGA pro or a PGA pro or anybody that's interested in hosting an event, how would they do that? Uh, exact same thing. On the homepage, we have two buttons right in the middle because it says join the global community one says register to play and register a location you go in and you register your location and you do we highly recommend because when and i want to get too into you know thing, but people I, I you know i encourage them we try to keep just like the the event concepts we try to keep the website simple but what we also offer because this was meant to help people we're a one-day event this isn't uh some you know get rich quick scheme or any type of thing that is going to, you know, suck people in. The idea was how do we help get more women involved? How do we help the pros? How do we help people? And it could be a, a, a local pro or, um, you know, or, or a, a program, you know, like get golf ready or what have you. So when you go in and create that location, it stays up there for the whole year and you have two things. I mean, you have, it looks like a Facebook page almost. You have a back banner. You can put your logo, and you have two links. So links of how people can go find your event and a link that might just be your web page. So we're trying to do our best to highlight people. So it could be any – and anybody has an opportunity to go and put that information in. So, you know, we hope that, you know, and when people are going and looking to find classes or do things, that there's a way that they can they can be found. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hoping whether it's that, like I said, and we're working with, you know, we're trying to work with everybody. This is the, I think the one thing, and and I think you you guys know as well as you've been in the industry so long, this industry is a bit fragmented because there's multiple governing bodies and things. So sometimes I think we don't think about it because we're in it, but for people from the outside, it's a little confusing and 
you don't know where to turn or who to turn or what's the difference. And, uh, you know, I think one of the things I'm most proud of is we got everybody to play in the sandbox for this one day. And this is not just here. As you said, we have international golf federations around the world and Muslim countries and things like that, but we're affecting change and moving the needle uh, and, and just allowing women to get out and, and try it. And then we highly encourage them to, go continue on and we kind of like leave that up to you guys <laughs> that's you cindy you're you, you take it from there <laughs> so that's yeah hopefully absolutely we, we, we created this yeah as a platform so then you're there that day and you say hey by the way i've got an eight-week course i've got a i've got a business you know how to do golf you know for executives that and how you leverage it for your business um and that's exactly what we want use that day to say hey here's you like it or you, and depending on their appetite, God knows you, everybody has enough programs and different things that you can provide these women. Absolutely. Absolutely. Take the ball and run. Yeah. It's, we're bringing the horse <laughs> to water. You, you know, we want you guys to make it drink. <laughs> so, I mean, there's only so much that I think that this is, it, the whole thing started because we saw it. There's a lot of fragmentation and what I thought was, what if we could get everybody for one day just to kind of focus? Because what happens is there's a lot of, there's a lot of distraction. You just don't know, people don't know where to turn. And at least for one day we can focus. And I do say, I thank you guys from the media and golf channel and everything because they've done a great job of making this feel like, I mean, it's almost like, okay, it's a given. Everybody knows second Tuesday in June is women's golf day, like a 4th of July or Thanksgiving or what have you. And, um, and we take it for granted in this country. You know, because really when you go look out, you see that, like, you know, they're doing this, whether it's for expats or not, but, you know, in places like Saudi Arabia, in uh, the United Arab Emirates, in Morocco is this year a number of uh, locations that are on board. In uh, Nigeria, you know, these aren't, you know, this isn't as popular as it is here. And I think it's given those people a voice. And I think uh, Nancy Berkeley probably said it back best. She said, this reminds me of the old... Um, that old saying that is act act local, you know, think global, act local. So that's hopefully what this is. The moment that you're there, you're involved in a community, but that community participating in that event on that day is part of a global event that's happening. And, um, you know, hopefully it, it, it fires people up and makes them excited about that. And I just think with everything that's going on in the world these days, it's kind of nice to have something light, happy, and and fun that's just uh, getting people together for a singular purpose. I couldn't agree more. Yep. That's Me as well. I, I, I think that's fantastic. Um, Alyssa, I want to ask you a, a question because you kind of touched on it uh, a little bit, you know, with a lot of new people to the game, how intimidating that can be. Talk about um, what golf has done for you personally um, when you first were introduced to the game and how that can sort of translate to others that maybe are sitting on the fence right now, how that can help them learning by what your experience has been uh, being exposed to the game, what it's done for you overall, and how it can help other uh, both young and older women uh, that maybe haven't taken up that charge yet to, to get out and, and actually learn to play. Yeah, I mean, I started playing around the age of 12 or so, and it was a sport that, you know, my parents had gotten my sister and I involved in. And, uh, you know, I, I'm one of those people that was like kind of jack of all trades, master of none. 
So I didn't play competitively or, or do it that way. But it was a really nice sport. I'm so grateful that, you know, anything you can learn at a young age and whether you pick it up or put it down for a little while um, is always a good thing. So that's exactly what happened with me. And I didn't really play throughout college or what have you, but it was always something that I could go to and, and pick up and play. And then I did post-university and was leisurely and what have you. And um, it's always been a, a source for me to meet new people, engage in the community. I ended up getting involved in the business. So, you know, it becomes, I think our, my experience is going to be different than the average person because we're blessed to be invited to incredible places and, and do things with golf when you're, you know, when you're in the industry, working with people all the time. But for anybody that just gets up and tries it, and I used to do, I remember I used to have this thing called donuts and divots. You know, in the morning, people would always keep asking me, hey, where can I go? Where can I go? Where can I go? I lived in South Beach. And we just, I was with Jim McLean was a pro at the time. And I said, hey, Jim, what about we just, you want to do this like a early morning, Wednesday morning class? And I brought out the donuts and people came. And I just think, you know, they met new people. They got exposed to it. So no matter what the level, if you, if you go on to keep playing and get more involved, you know, like anything, you're going to dig deeper. You're going to, your probably friendships will be deeper. You're spending more time on a golf course with people. But however you use it, even if it's just to do a little morning clinic, you know, it's, it's, you're trying something new, you're getting out, you're meeting people, you're learning a skill set that you can use whenever you like. Um, and that's, you know, at the end of the day, probably what it's about. People who go on and play and become more involved, whether they join a country club or a league, then, you know, it's, it's all about, at the end of the day, it's, it's friendships, relationships, um, and those are fostered. And it just happens to be a sport where it's a little easier. The sport's not easy, but it's easier because, you know, you're not winded running back and forth on a tennis court or, you know, doing something where you're unable to right. communicate with the other person. So I think that's, you know, as much as people, there's no, I, and I tell women all the time, you know, that they think there's not like, men go out on the golf course and they've got a contract rolled up in their golf bag and they're like ready to pounce on the person and say, Hey, sign the contract. And that's how they get the business done. That's not it. It's no, no, it's, it's the relation. It's the time that they spend and you find out about the person's kids and it's not, you build a relationship. So you can do it over coffee or you can do it over golf. So, and I try to demystify that. Like, you know, there isn't this like, oh, business is being done as if somebody's out there with like, you know, contracts, writing them every other hole. Right. Um, so, it's, you know, it's it's the same skill set that you need so that we, you know, use in, in business and everyday life. And it's fostering those right. relationships, exactly. nurturing those relationships. Right, exactly. And and you're exactly right. It's meant to really build and develop relationships um, it, and, and doing it in a fun way. Um, you know, and, and you're right. I mean, you know, you're not going to, uh, you're not holding a business meeting out in the golf course. It's there to, to learn about the other person and for them to learn about you. And obviously it can open a lot of doors and sometimes business may not get done uh, in that particular uh, forum but it's a great way to, to meet and develop other relationships as well. So you're exactly right. And I think it's a win-win for anybody that gets involved. It's, uh, it's enough of a challenge. Golf could be challenging even for the best players in the world. Um, so for those of us that aren't quite in that category, uh, you know, it's even equally uh, more challenging. 
Um, but it's just the fun and the camaraderie and the laughs that we have sometimes out <clears> in the golf course with one another uh, where you really don't get that in any other sport because you're, again, you're, you're too winded, you're running back and forth and whatnot, and golf is a much more relaxing game or can be if you approach it the right way. Um, I, I want to just very quickly jump ship just for a second and, and talk a little bit about um, you're also the president of the Executive uh, Golf International. Tell us a little bit about that for those that maybe you're not familiar with it. Yeah, that's, you know, um, that's a strategy marketing branding company that I started in 2003 after, uh, you know, I worked for the Sol de las Americas, which is the Latin golf tour. And from there, I worked for the PGA tour and probably like the highlight, I guess I would say one of them or the major one is that, you know, I got to, um, myself and another guy run the world cup in 2002 that was in Mexico working for the PGA tour, um, and the thing that I noticed was that companies weren't uh, weren't sure how the best way for them to get involved in golf. Like they knew they, they knew the demographic was good, and they wanted to, but people get sucked in and, and sponsors or what have you, and you know they they don't want to run golf tournaments or be in the golf industry. They want to sell more Mercedes or drive tourism or what have you. So I think it was helping them navigate that. Uh, is what why I started Executive Golf International, and I'm a huge fan of or um, of strategy, and um, that's you know that's what we help we help companies with you know strategizing as to what's the best way for them to get the results that they want using golf as a vehicle, and um, so as you can see, the, the Women's Golf Day was kind of like was born out of frustration of you know 18 years in the industry listening to hey we want to get more women involved we get more women involved. I got a couple people, and we have wonderful people on our team that are industry veterans. We started talking about it, and that, you know, tested this concept of the four-hour, you know, one-day, four-hour thing. Went well at a golf course in Boston, actually, and uh, with a women's group, and um, and it took off from there. But that is an example of what it is, so strategizing and looking at the pain points or what it is that a company would want to achieve and figuring out how you can do that through golf. Well said. Um, and, yeah. and excuse me, and I, I agree. You know, there's a lot of uh, businesses out there, obviously some of the major corporations that have been around and, and involved in golf for, for many years, uh, they know the drill, if you will. But there's a lot of companies out there that have maybe considered it and maybe don't know exactly what the first steps are. And that's essentially what you're trying to do with Executive Golf International is to help sort of guide them and navigate uh, uh, through those waters, if you will, and, and bringing sort of marrying the two together, golf and these businesses together, and allowing them to obviously benefit uh, from the exposure, but also uh, help uh, organizers of tournaments and things like that benefit from some of the financial uh, injection, if you will, that these companies can provide, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, if you're working for the client, you know, any entity they go to is going to pitch them and they all have benefits. So if they were to, you know, look at a sponsorship with the PGA Tour or the LPGA or a local thing or what have you, you know, they're all and they're going to be confused and not know what's best for them. And I think the important thing is to step back and remember that you're, you know, what is it that you are there what what is your product that you're trying to do? So whether, like I said, whether it's sell you know more cars or whatever it may be, products, goods, or services, um, what is the best 
you know, which one of these entities is best for you and then approach it that way, like how it would be best for them to get involved in whether it's, you know, some media exposure um, or, you know, getting involved with bigger entities and each one of those and like, does, does the company need branding? Does the company need, you know, direct sales? Does it, and that's going to determine it's, I always use the example, like, you know, hypothetically you have Mercedes. Is it better to stick your logo on Tiger's bag to, sponsor a tournament and have your clients in a tent, you know, do a hospital hospitality play or do a dealer incentive program where you're doing your own events and they're all accumulating to, you know, an event in Stuttgart. And there's just an example with the same amount of money, three different ways to that company, but what does that company, you know, need? And that's, I think what is important for them to kind of evaluate. I mean, we all get excited and we get emotional with any sport. So people want to, but like I said, once again, this is different because most sports are TV rights and merchandising, you know, and it's different than a NBA or NFL or MLB type of thing. Um, there's engagement, there's opportunities to engage. So uh, that's, you know, it's interesting. And the people that are looking at it from that perspective, um, it helps, hopefully, you know, we can help them to figure out what suits their needs best and, and how to pitch their their product and service in the best light possible. And that's so interesting and, and true because there are so many ways to promote your product. So do you have numbers that you help, you know, your clients figure out the best way to do that depending on their goals? Yeah, absolutely. So, or it's like a budget. We have this much and we'd like to do this. Or, you know, they know that they – um, need to rebrand or, you know, I've had this, um, you know, tagline, I guess, for the company for years, but it's strategy, synergy, activation. And if you look, almost every company has got a weak point in one of those three areas. And I think those are the things. So you have to have a strategy. Um, and then there's got to be synergy with the, with the strategy that you've created, that it works with the other parts whether it's a sales team or what have you, and you got to activate. You know, and like I said, we've done this before, like the government of Dominican, you mentioned that, you know, how you promote the country as a golf destination. you got to look at sensitivity points, all kinds of things, help real estate developers. So it gets interesting when you really, you know, dial down. At the end of the day, they do want to sell real estate. They do want to have drive more tourism. So you can't get too caught up in, you know, if you host a PGA tour event or what have you, you still got to remember what is it that you're trying to do is drive tourism, um, help real estate developers. And that's just one example, but yeah, it is, you know, there's lots of opportunities I think, you know, for, and it gets, you know, even crazier now with all social media and everything else. There's lots of ways I think for people to engage, whether it's individually or corporately um, in in golf and, and use it as as a way to further their personal or professional goals, whether it's like you like you're saying, Cindy, doing uh, classes that help women understand how they can use it uh, for their advantage, women or men. But uh, I know you do it um, to help them figure that out, or the company as a whole, how it can go use absolutely golf to absolutely drive their initiatives. And sometimes, too, I think we have to remember some of these things. I think things are moving so fast. It's just interesting because we're in this sport that's slow and long, you know, compared to everything else. <laughs> and, 
You're and absolutely and right. <laughs> and now we're bucking heads, and, and I think this is why. You know, we'll see. Thank God we, we see numbers up with juniors, but we're really bucking heads with the trends that are happening, which are fast, quick, low attention span. You know, <laughs> and so how does that marriage happen? To me, that's very interesting. How are we marrying this, and how are we going to react? You know, I don't. You know, you don't. We've been. For the I years, think we're all competing against each other. I mean, a lot of these, um, it's just, you know, the LPGA Girls Golf, the PGA Junior League, the, you know, there's so many different components. And I think it's interesting because on the last, our last guest, Sydney Clanton, was talking about how you develop junior players and to get to become better players. And there is now a long-term player development program that they're trying to initiate which really needs to happen, and everybody needs to come together to do that. So it's kind of like the LPGA, the PGA of America, um, and World Golf Association are all coming together with this invite her. And like you said, we're going to have one day where we're all going to get together and we're all going to come together for a common goal. Let's invite people to play. Great idea. Mm -hmm. Rather than compete against each other. Right. So I'm on that task force for that. So if you look, the invite her is repli- is absolutely replicated from uh, Women's Golf Day. Absolutely, that, and it should be. They, they, the, the concept they took, we <laughs> took the concept, but that is lifted from it. And but at the end of the day, everybody's still going to have their programs, you know, because a first tee or junior golf or yeah, I mean, I think the more times we can come together, um, you know. The better. Should. Yeah, the better. But I think, you know, awareness to the programs, and it's just not, I don't think it's going to change. They're not going to be like, oh, yeah, no, we're not going to do our program anymore. So oh, no, that's not going to happen. There, there is, and, and I think, you know, each, it, I think it depends. You know, there's a lot of things. People just, I think the awareness is the most important thing. I don't, you know, that people become aware, and if it's through, you know, Women's Golf Day or another program that's kind of joining people together, because um, what's going to happen is whatever works best for the consumer, right? So if somebody right. has a first team program near them and they don't have a junior girls golf, you know, right? They're going to what do that. door do they and walk through first? Them, Absolutely. Right. You want to get them. Get them in the door. Right. You want to get them. Exactly. <clears throat> exactly. And I and in like you'll see like how many times a year can they do that or you know everybody's still you know they have to everybody in these various organizations are still they've got time. And everything invested in resources invested in their programs, and they're all good programs. They're really good. It's just correct from the consumer standpoint. It's like, hey, so we're the ones who started with this idea of let's just get together, and you know, we figured for one day that's not so. That's an opportunity where it doesn't um, diminish what they're doing, or cut into, or try to step on their toes. Absolutely. And that, and that's why we really just stuck it to the to the one day, and then. You know, seeing how, and then yeah, we've we've there's a couple of organizations that we've helped, uh, you know, through what we were doing, and them looking at the model and how ours, um, you know, worked and and was successful because at the end of the day, the consumer spoke. It wasn't we didn't we didn't push this. We didn't do any advertising. We didn't. That's one of the things that's interesting, and that's why the thing kept going. You know, because this wasn't meant to be a business. This was a side kind of side thing born out of frustration 
Good for you. And like, hey, what can you do to make a difference to really make this? So this wasn't like, hey, we came up with a business plan and did it. We we tested it. Yeah, and, no. you know, We had <laughs> from year one to year two, we had 68% growth. We went from uh, 400 and some odd locations to 711 and from 28 <clears> countries to 46. And the, and we do notice, I mean, while we still are the biggest market with numbers, the the appetite for this overseas, we notice, is a lot larger. I just don't think that they have all the opportunities of thing. And I think there's a, a willingness to really want to come together. So wow. I think the more time Yeah. Yeah. Anything, Great the job. That we can come together as an industry, the same, you know, I mean, we try to do it. It's just there's a lot of stuff going on at the same time. We just had National Golf Day. You know, that's another opportunity where they try to get the industry together. You know, some of that's about lobbying for things that are important in our industry. But, again, highlighting, you know, and then Canada's got their day and the U.K. has their day. So there's lots of stuff out there. And I think the main important thing is that, you know, with the Internet and everything these days, people are seeing it. So no matter how many of these programs or what we do is they're seeing it. Um, yeah, they're seeing it. There's and it's all good. And hopefully they yep. Yeah, and they find one that works for them or for their children. And I think that was the main part of what we stressed is, you know, some of the head pros are still, a lot of them are male or what have you, and that's great. But I think the important thing was to realize that people kept talking about junior golfers, and you can't wait until the, the junior golfer has a driver's license to drive himself to a golf course. Still, more <laughs> times than not, that's going to be the mother, you know. So yeah, that's yeah, what became right. important. And I always, I always stress. It doesn't, we don't have to convert every woman to be an 18-hole fanatic league player. Let people do what they want. If a woman's happy just playing a couple times a year or wine and nine, you know, nine and wine, that, the main thing is, my main goal is let's eradicate golf widow. There's no other sport that yep. has negative connotation, you know. So let's eradicate <laughs> that. That's a good goal to have. It sure is. We couldn't agree is more. That more fun? Like, All oh, right, I well, like it. You know, I don't. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, not a problem. Um, unfortunately, we got to wrap up. We're we're out of time. But uh, Alisa, we want to thank you very much for uh, coming on this this morning on the Women's uh, of Golf Show. And uh, we just want to remind everybody: uh, if you're interested in organizing uh, a Women's Golf Day event, or if you're interested in playing in one of the events uh, worldwide, go to womensgolfday.com and you can register for either one uh, right there on the website, and there's lots of great information there. Uh, Lisa, we want to thank you again for joining Sydney and I this morning on the Women of Golf uh, Day, or the Women of Golf Show, excuse me, uh, promoting Women's Golf Day, and uh, we wish you much continued success on June 4th. Yeah, June 4th. I hope uh, you guys can get to a location and um, share your experience, uh, and if you're unable to, still, you know, share your, um, you know, female golf, you know, connections that you have. We all have them. So whether it's a mom, an aunt, a sister, a daughter, um, a friend. So thank you so much for having me, and uh, thank you for what you're doing, truly. Thank you. We appreciate it. All have right. Have a great day. Thank you. Okay, have a great day. All right, that was our very special guest, uh, President of Executive Golf International and the founder of Women's Golf Day, uh, Alyssa Gaudet, and that event again is June 4th, of, uh, this coming June 4th, 2019, and you can go to womensgolfday.com to learn more information. And if you're interested in uh, connecting with Cindy Miller, if you're uh, interested in, in having her speak at uh, one of your corporate events, 
by all means, you can contact her through cindymillerinc.com. All of her contact information is there. And on behalf of Cindy Miller and I, I'm Ted Odorico. We want to thank you for joining us this morning uh, on the Women of Golf Show, and we will see you next week back here with another great guest. Uh, all right. Thank you, Cindy. Have a good week. Thanks, Ted. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening this morning to the Women of Golf Show. Tune in live each week by visiting blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. If you can't join us live, check out our on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts. To get updates for future shows and upcoming guests, you can follow us on Facebook at Women of Golf. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO and Cindy at Cindy Miller Golf. Please remember to join us next week on the Women of Golf Show. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.